Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So where are you going to be March 19th? Aha! Right, right here, recording this podcast, living my my best uh, 90s girl dream. Uh, <laughs> for those who uh, will have watched our, our, our YouTube uh, bonus episode this past Thursday, you will see... Uh, that I am, I am helping to bring back the uh, sun, sundress and white t-shirt look from from our youth. Does that just have pockets? <laughs> it does. That's exciting. It's, I, you know what the best part is? Is I thought that this one didn't. I bought a few recently, and they all had pockets in them. Except I thought that this one didn't. And then I put it on today, and I was like, oh, <gasps> pockets, pockets. So That's it's it's fantastic. Wonderful. I. Being someone who went their entire life uh, accustomed to having an appropriate, if not excessive, number of pockets, uh, I kind of refuse to be uh, to to be shorted on my pockets just because I'm updating my wardrobe, and right. so I'm I'm being very intentional on things like this. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, that's smart. I you know that is the thing about like women's clothing and kids' clothing too. Kids' clothing also very frequently has either fake or no pockets. This was a big thing for Juniper because when she was a little little kid, she used to carry around either little toys with her mm -hmm. or like rocks or things she would find that was really cool. Yeah. So she used to just put them in my pocket because none of her clothes had pockets. Fucking so the thing rude. is though, is I didn't notice that she was doing it <laughs> until I'd go to do laundry and I would pull out. Out, like three rocks and like a Shopkins toy in my pocket. I'm like, what the hell is this? I was like, I don't remember putting this in my pocket. I was like, oh, she would, you know, grab it, hold onto it, and then like slip it into my hoodie pocket when I wasn't looking or when I wasn't wearing it or something. Smart kid. But I was constantly finding uh, Shopkins are these. They're like these little, I mean, like teeny tiny toys, right? They're yeah. they're you know collectible things. You get them in blind bags. So you don't know what what perf like type of shop can you'll get but they were all like little things like they were the little foods or they were like miniature versions of like grocery items but they all had faces on them oh, they're so they'd adorable. be like yeah there's tons of really cute i mean shopkins is a huge thing there's so much of it out there um you know we had i mean, I mean like a hundred at least i mean we had so many shopkins because she was obsessed with them and uh they were really cool i really liked them um, but you know, they were little, so she would lose them often or, 
you know, they would just get lost in a room. Uh, or they would end up in your pockets. Like, or they would end up in my pockets, yeah. I, I'm sure if you went to the wash. I, I heard a, a woman uh, rightfully complaining the other day, a little bit a little bit misdirected in her anger, but uh, nonetheless justified uh, about her small child's pants having uh, fully functional pockets when none of hers do. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> right. this, is, this is justified. I mean, don't blame your kid for that. But, and she wasn't. Right. She wasn't. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't misinterpret me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. is that, you know, I guess like, I guess the, the thing about like women not having pockets is the assumption that they all carry a purse which is not is not logical. That's not what actually happens. No, not all women carry purses at yeah. all. It so also is kind of a like a, a self fulfilling thing where like oh we don't have pockets so we have to carry a bag. So I you guess, have to but carry like, a bag or purse. You like you have to carry it back because you don't have pockets, but they don't put pockets in the things because you're going to carry it. But like what what the fuck? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's. It's interesting. I mean, I have a small bag now, which is kind of neat. And it's like Ellen got it specifically because she recognized that uh, I'm not accustomed to not having pockets and every now and then it's going to happen. Yeah. Where you're going to go to put your phone in your pocket and it's just going to fall to the ground. Yeah. Or like these pockets are great for like putting my hands in, but they're not necessarily great for putting stuff in uh, depending on on the dress. So I don't know. Well, we're figuring it out one day at a time here. But yeah. Sundress and white t-shirt. Sundress and white t-shirt. Is, 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 <laughs> you know, you just put on a pair of Doc Martens and you're Claire Danes in every movie she ever did yes. in the 90s. <laughs> and that, my friend, is goals. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to finish out our Vampire Month, uh, which was celebrating our fifth anniversary because the very first episode we ever recorded was on the movie Billy the Kid versus Dracula. And uh, so, you know, here we are and let's do it. So that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Never Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm the undead risen corpse of Sabrina Buckets. <laughs> so uh, not only not only are we celebrating our fifth anniversary and how we got our start on a vampire film, but Michael, you know this. I I hope. I hope and I believe in our listeners that they are aware of this as well. But if not, they should be aware uh, that we're only a few weeks away from the release of Renfield, uh, yeah. starring Nicolas Cage as Dracula. And uh, by this point in the five years we've been on this podcast, uh, if there's two things you should know about me, it's that I love Nicolas Cage and vampire movies. Yeah, I mean, this one, that one looks really exciting. It's going to be campy as hell, right? Like, oh, yes. Nick Cage is really playing it up. Like, he's not playing a serious Dracula. He's playing, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, so, like, it's going to be, it's going to be absurd. Uh, and I'm really excited. You know, I uh, love uh, Nicholas Holt. Yes. Um, he's He plays Renfield in this. Um, I love him. You know, you know what movie or what thing really sold me on him? Was it I, The Great? It was the great. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> I had seen him in a lot of other things and I was kind of like, oh, that guy. Like, you know, he's he's in uh Mad Max Fury Road. He's uh, in you know, the you know, the first class uh run X-Men. of X-Men. Yep, playing Beast. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, he's he's a good actor. You know, and I've seen him in a couple other things aside from that. But when I saw him in the great, I was like, huzzah. huzzah. I love this guy. He's- <laughs> huzzah. The, like absolutely brilliant casting for for both of the leads, and like I've said this before, but the amount of on screen chemistry between two characters that are supposed to fucking hate each other is just 
unstoppable. It is so good. And yeah, I, I love every second of that show and his performance and it is stellar. Uh, also, can't forget that uh, ben, Swar- ben Schwartz and Aquafina are both going to be in Renfield. I did not know about Ben Schwartz, but I did know about Aquafina. She's featured heavily in the uh, in the the trailer, um, which I think is going to be really interesting. But um, there's a character that is uh, um, in it, the one who is leading the group talk that Renfield's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the uh, one of the like main characters of the last seasons of The Good Place. Neat. Yeah, and I really liked his character. I mean, he was annoying in the show, but like per, he was supposed to be, you know, yeah. like that he's that kind of character. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very uh, very cool. I'm very excited for that film. Me too. Uh, for vampire, uh, vampire, uh, we'll just keep vampires forever. Uh, yeah. I'll watch every vampire movie. All vampires, all the time. This is now the Never Heard of Vampires podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes. The so the Nahove. The Nahove. <laughs> So uh, today we're rounding out our month with uh, our final uh, Dracula film, Dracula Adjacent, like kind of our, our couple of other films. Actually, almost every one of our films was Dracula Adjacent. Dracula, ja- uh, Dracula Adjacent. Yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. It's a portmanteau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dracula Adjacent. Um, so this film is called I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker, mm-hmm. but uh, Brie, you mentioned that there is an alternate title for this one. Oh yes, uh, also known as. Get ready for this. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you're prepared. Hang on. Let me sit down. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you sitting down? All right. I'm ready. Also known as the Vampire. I should have wore a seatbelt. I'm falling <laughs> out of my chair. <laughs> what a boring title for a movie, especially a movie like this. I don't know that I have ever been. Uh, happier for a, a cast and crew that an alternate title was selected for a movie uh, because I had a bloody good time at House Harker, in addition to being a direct reference to something in the film, uh, is just a good movie title. Like, that is catchy. Uh, that draws you right in. The Vampire tells you nothing. It just be, it just falls into the like bland every other van you know like taking it serious vampire film you mm-hmm. know like I feel like as much as I love serious vampire films I feel like you can only really go like three ways and most of the time the serious vampire way ends up being really bad right like it, not many people nail the serious vampire way yeah and then you go the campy way you know as example uh, Nicolas Cage and and uh, uh, you know Nicholas Holt in Renfield. Mm-hmm. They're going the campy route, and that's great. And then you can go like the romance route, right? Yeah. Like you make it, you know, the Twilights, you know, or, or whatever. Like th- those stories of the world, like that is your other route you can go to. And you know, as we learned with Twilight, some of those can be bad too. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these can be bad. We we watched, you know, uh, can- another campy uh, uh, movie called uh, Com- uh, not, uh, Dracula on Holiday. Yeah, uh, and that was meant to be campy and fun, but it was terrible. Um, so they all can fail and I feel like it's, this is dr- vampire films are kind of like shark films in that Bram Stoker's Dracula came out and then everyone was like, oh my God, we got to make a, a vampire film. Like Jaws came out and everyone's like, oh my God, we got to make a shark movie. But nobody has been able to recreate the, sh- the jaw, the horror of Jaws and the amazingness of Jaws or the romance and just tension that Bram Stoker's Dracula created. Okay, so we know what Michael's film school thesis would be. 
uh, <laughs> how uh, both uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and Jaws are uh, not only iconic, but instrumental in kicking off the entirety of their franchises. And uh, in this essay, I will. <laughs> correct. Correct. That is my, yeah, that'll be my, uh, my thesis. And that, and I uh, would get an A on that. Yes, I. You know what? Honestly, I think you would because that is a that is a solid premise. And uh, I got to say, I, I am I am picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> you know, but it's true. So this this is a really great example where they went the campy comedy route. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, spoilers. I, I I didn't hate it. You know, I think it could have been better. I think they should have hired different actors. Um, you know, I know the actors are the people who like created this and whatever, cause it's based, uh, it's, uh, made from a YouTube, uh, group, yeah. um, good T, uh, good cop TV. Um, and you know, a lot of the jokes fell flat. You know, I felt there was like more opportunity with a lot of characters, but there were a couple of laugh out loud moments. See, I actually, I think I didn't mind the the casting. I think the like this this crew obviously they've worked together, they know each other and like they had fun making it. And I really spent the majority of this film like on the verge of enjoying it for the the schlock, gory, bloody, goofy time that it was. Uh but so much of the humor was just like either like straight up derivative uh and like stolen from something else or just like like really punching down and it it bothered me like i i almost enjoyed this movie i really did i'm not going to completely shit on it but like y'all no <laughs> I, you know and that's that's kind of where uh, you know i'm i'm in the same vein of of like what do you mean like it had a lot of potential and it was like set up this is a great setup punchline yeah. mm, that could have yeah. been better you know yeah. like it was it was a great setup the punchline was like yeah but that's the easy punchline it's not the it's not the good punchline yeah you know and that that happened with a lot like you know there was one moment where there's a vampire at the door and the priest is raising up the uh uh the cross and he's like yeah and he puts it down and he's like, yeah yeah you know and he kept yes. raising it up raising it down i laughed at that part that that's, was silly that like we we've mentioned before like that feels like it kind of falls in the vein of like the old um um Leslie Nielsen type humor like the very visual like goofy like it's just it's right there in your face uh and yes that was funny uh it did they 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 took it more in a Seth uh uh Seth MacFarlane uh direction where it just went on a little longer than it needed to but it was funny but the priest specifically this like the priest is a prime example when i talk about like the derivative humor of this film and i'm gonna really push up my glasses for this one uh because the the priest is uh he's actually a former priest it's the 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 main character's old neighbor next door and he tells this whole story about when he was a young man he was a priest, and he did a lot of exorcisms. And every single scene was just a like heavily made up, supposedly possessed young woman puking on him and like spouting off in a in a foreign language. Which fun fact, one of them actually speaks in Klingon, uh, which I thought was was actually funny. Uh, I enjoyed that. She says, "Where is the bathroom?" Where is the Klingon? bathroom? <laughs> but yeah, it's just scene after scene of them just like riffing on the famous scene from The Exorcism. Like you, you can do better. And that's that's actually what makes me upset when I watch a film like this is that I can see that they could have done better. They are clever enough, but they just didn't. That, that, you know, yeah, it's sad. You know, it's one of those things where it makes me wonder if they like wrote it, like wrote everything down 
and like, you know, looked at it a couple times and then just went straight to shooting, which is what, you know, what they probably do with their YouTube videos, like sketches. You don't go through a writer's room and editing and drafts and things like that. You kind of, you draft up one script and you're like, yeah, this is good. We got to pump content, you know, because YouTubers, they have to pump content out consistently. Absolutely. And so there's no time for writer's rooms and and stuff like that. This could have definitely had taken advantage of a second pass or a third pass or a fourth pass where someone could like punch up those jokes for them. And the other thing that like, you know, th- this movie clocks in at like just under an hour 20, if you kind of like, there's like a, a, a post credit sequence that's pretty short and whatnot, um, which for a movie like this is a pretty good length. But at the same time, it, it veers dangerously close into like, well, this actually could have just been like a 20 minute YouTube short and probably w- would have been really really good if they just trimmed out all of the like the garbage of the film and just stuck to their core premise and like you know same type of budgeting and whatnot and just really leaned into it um it seems like that they probably could have done a really good job with that but then they tried to make it longer and it just like it was like well what do we do next oh we got to have another priest gag i guess I get, yeah, you know, and and one of the things about this movie is that uh, they had a very successful Kickstarter campaign that gave them extra money for post-production, so they had better audio uh, mixing, which is amazing. That's, you know, one of the big things we talk about. Yeah. That's one of the simplest things you can do to make your movie feel like more of a professional movie. Yeah. Uh, And for special effects, which, you know, there was more practical than special effects uh, in this. A lot of blood. A lot of blood, a lot of just explosions of blood, which, you know what, uh, I mean, it kind of, you know, why are they popping? And every time you stab one, they kind of pop like a, like a balloon. Kind of funny. I was like, I was like into it, but I wish they'd made it more, jo- more of a joke and less of like a, this is just a thing that's happening. Nah. I wish it was more, you know, there was like a couple of lined up jokes with it, but it felt like it could have been better. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but yeah, so like they they got some special effects in, and I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that they got that money for for post mixing and stuff. Yeah, it definitely made a difference because like the, it could have been a lot worse. So all right, we we spent a little bit of time nitpicking some of the things that we didn't like about it, but like, why don't you tell us what it was about? So uh, uh, I had a great time. I had a bloody great time at House Harker. Uh, here is the IMDb description. It's been generations since the Harker's great-great-grandfather killed Count Dracula. Now the Harker brothers and their best friend Ned are a town joke until a real vampire shows up. Now, that is kind of accurate. Uh, yeah, it leaves out some details, but it's the general direction. It, 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 I would say reading that gives you a better sense of what the movie is basically about than a lot of the films that we've, we've talked about. Um, the opening sequence, uh, shows, you know, kind of a, a flashback, uh, to, I think it was like 1920 or like 1917, something like that. Uh, and it's Jonathan Harker. He's, you know, he's fighting a vampire. We learned that like he's already killed Dracula and there's some other vampire that somehow has absorbed Dracula's power by like consuming his bones or something like that. A little bit of unexplained lore that they reuse later, uh, but don't really give us a a solid reasoning for how that works. But it's vampires, so okay. Uh, We get a a glimpse of Mina Harker. She's protecting her son from the vampire. Uh, Jonathan is killed. The vampire is killed. And so that sets us up, you know, generations down the road, we have these young Harker siblings. 
Yeah, and, and the beginning of the movie uh, starts out with this scene of, uh, you know, Mina and Harker, but then we learn that this is actually the present-day Harkers attempting to put on a play about their family's history so that they can basically, you know, get more money and become special. We learn that the uh, the lead Harker um, was, uh, Jerry, was uh, in a movie, in a Lifetime movie, that was just, you know, basically laughed out. Like it was just a terrible movie. It kind of ruined his career. They, uh, they called it the life Mark channel, which I feel like is not the first time even recently that I've seen someone make that joke of just combining lifetime and hallmark, uh, to, right. to be the, the schlocky film. Uh, in fact, I think another movie that I just watched recently made that joke. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we have, we have, um, Jerry, Charlie, and Paige, the Harker siblings, uh, and their friend Ned. Uh, we we kind of throw bits and pieces throughout the the movie. Uh, pick up that Charlie, Paige, and Ned uh, were granted a, a a grant from like the city, the county, the state. Some local organization has given them a fifty thousand dollar grant to fix up their ancestral home. Uh, and make it part of, you know, like a tourist attraction for the town. That's okay. That's pretty cool. Like, that's celebrating their history, and that's acknowledging the importance to the town. Okay. Uh, and then, for some reason, Jerry, who moved away to become an actor, came back and was like, nah, instead of fixing the home, we're going to use that money to put on this really schlocky play that I wrote to really show people what the importance of our family, which, like, why, Jerry? Why? Well, well, the worst part about, I mean, like the 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 plot hole about this is that the fifty thousand dollar grant was to do that. Yeah. It was to turn the place into a historical uh, landmark uh-huh. and preserve its status so that it can't ever be torn down or anything like that, and it gets government grants and stuff so that the Harker name could live on. Yep. And it's just it's this very misguided. I mean, I get like you could be like, well, he was just seeking fame, and you know, he was really thinking of himself. They're like, yes, but. They were the same end goals. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted the Harker family name to live on and the house to be famous. He could have just taken the 50 grand to, to fix it up and he would have gotten his goal. Like it would have been done by now. And let's be honest, it is wildly unclear how they spent uh, anywhere close to $50,000 on this production. Although, to be fair, uh, while doing a tour with like the county clerk or whatever, uh, you know, she's pointing out all the safety hazards and all the things wrong with the house, which is funny because every single one of them is a Chekhov's gun. Uh, it's important to remember that literally everything she points out is something that comes into play later. That is smart filmmaking. Uh, it's a little bit obvious, but it's, it's smart and it's well executed. Uh, but they stop into one room, I think it's a bathroom, and she's like, Actually, this is pretty nice. Like, well, we did start the renovation, and then Jerry came home. Uh, so, like, they spent some money fixing up one room, uh, and like, there's a few, like, a couple of the bedrooms look like they're in okay shape, but then the rest of the house is just a dump. And somehow they spent tens of thousands of dollars on this really awful, like, living room stage. Yeah, uh, yeah. That I mean, I did. I did appreciate uh, that. You know, uh, we we see um, the the one. I forgot what his name is. The one with the pencil, Charlie. 
Charlie. Charlie uh, remembers at the end of the movie, he goes through every single item just so you to like extra point out like, hey, yeah. we did this. And that's a very like in a comedy schlocky movie like this. That's a very great trick. Like that's the sort of thing you want to be. You know, I, I always reference this, but uh, Wayne's World 2, you know, where he's walking and they're like, you know, oh, this, these guys, no, they just, uh, you know, walk back and forth with this giant pane of glass every so often. They're like, oh, <laughs> so you're remodeling this place. He's like, nope. And he's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, like, oh, I'm uh, stocking watermelons and chickens. And he's like, oh, so you're selling watermelons and chickens. He said, oh, no, no, sir. I just got to make sure there's plenty stacked at all times. And they're like, <laughs> weird. And they look at the camera. I wonder if this is going to pay off later. And then it does. <laughs> Uh, you know, but that was kind of what it was like. Like it yeah. felt like that, but that it's that's its purpose, right? It mm-hmm. is supposed to feel like that because that's that's how you comedies do it. Whereas like a serious film would just linger on it for a second and that you know call it a day. Yeah, yeah. Like a a really well like well executed Chekhov's gun types moment. Like you notice it as the audience, but it's not necessarily called attention to uh, and like presented as important uh, unless like it, this. If it is, then they really are trying to, like, shove it in your face. Like, see this thing? We're going to use it later. So, like, there's, there's a, like, it's, this kind of sits about halfway between those two, which is yeah. why I thought it was, it was pretty well done. It was obvious, but it was well done. Yeah. I, but what, what made it best is because, you know, they don't, they don't, like, they point it out as part of the plot to be like, oh, yeah, well, this, you know, and it falls in line. You could, they could never use them in the rest of the movie. And you'd be like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Like, yep. I, that wasn't weird about it at all. Yep. But when they do get used, you're like, ah, it was because of the thing. That's that's clever. That's clever. I did appreciate that. That was that was good forethought and planning uh, for a comedy aspect, On I thought. I agree. Um, which is really nice. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Jerry comes home. He wastes the money. They make these shirts, and this is where the name of the movie comes comes in they make these shirts that say i had a bloody good time at house harker which is an awesome shirt for this sort of attraction right if a house harker really existed i hope they really have these shirts because that's really cool that's a really clever idea that is absolutely the kind of thing that you you do for an attraction like this you get a a schlocky t-shirt that fits the the vibe of the attraction and people buy it and souvenir it's great absolutely there's your there's your money recoup yeah, and and it was good that this is how they got the title of the movie and not The Vampire. The Vampire. This was, this was the right choice. I would have fucking flipped the table if it was called The Vampire. I would have walked. I would have been like, I'm I'm out. I can't Actually, with this. That's not entirely fair because I don't think we would have ever even looked at this film if it was just called The Vampire because that would have just seemed too generic. And like you look at the, the poster, it's very obviously kind of like a, an Evil Dead type thing where like, they they know they're leaning into camp horror, uh, and so like if it's just called the vampire, like nothing about this appeals to me. But the name, the name sells it. Right. If if this script came across my desk and I saw the vampire made by YouTubers, I'd be like pass. Yep. Instantly. Yep. Um, but I saw it made by YouTubers. I had a bloody good time at House Harker. I would read the first ten pages. I would absolutely <laughs> read the beginning of the script because that that title is is what you know. Just like you said, it is what sells this film. Is the reason why I chose this over any of the other Dracula films that we had the option to watch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so far. Now, some of the uh, the the less uh, comedic bits that I, think, that I don't think played as well, um, 
especially early on, there's frequent uh, shots of the camera on this old family photograph that is of the, the Harker kids and their parents. Uh, we know that their their dad passed sometime. We know that their mom existed, but like we don't know. I don't think they ever say like what happens to her if she dies, if she's still alive or whatnot. But they make it a point to like keep showing the camera in the photo that it's really just the actor who plays Jerry in a wig and a dress. Uh, and that bothered me for what I think are probably obvious reasons. Um, because that, that again is just like a weird kind of punching down sort of humor, like that that added nothing to the plot except to give them a chance to to make a joke about how oh she was a handsome woman. Yeah, you know, I didn't. You know, aside from you know the the you know potential transphobia with any of that, you know, and all all of that side of the argument. The other side of the argument is I didn't understand the joke. I no. was like, it's not like if they were like, oh, he's a spitting image of his mom. If they referenced it in a way that made me understand why he had to be the mom when they could have just gotten literally any fucking woman mm-hmm. to just sit in on a photo. Mm-hmm. Like you're telling me there were no other women in this movie like, or on the crew or whatever. Because they do make it a point to say how much the, the boys look just like their dad. Yeah. Like the old yeah. man next door, the the old priest uh, with the foul-mouthed, cantankerous wife who is one of the more interesting parts of the film because she just yeah. never stops berating everyone. And we even get a, a, like, one of my favorite parts is a flashback to, like, just after he quits the priesthood, he runs into her and she just starts immediately berating him. And he's like, I realized that, like, I just... I missed being like yelled at and berated all the time. And like, I just assumed she was possessed and they just like start holding hands and walking away into the sunset while she's screaming at him the whole time. That's, that's funny. Uh, But he makes it a point and other people make it a point to say like, the boys look just like their dad. So what was the point of making Jerry dress up as the mom? Right. You know, in that sense, I would have just put, you know, made make the dad be the mom too. Like, I don't know. You know, they do they do actually say that the mom uh died okay. uh, and and that he had to raise them. He's like, Oh yeah, when your mom passed, you know, your dad did a really you know, the priest says your dad did a really good job of raising you as a single, you know, raising the three of you as a single parent. So that was in fact brought up. Um, so you know, that is good at least that, you know, they made that. But yeah, it was one of those things that, like, you know, this movie was made in 2016, so it's mm-hmm. not like this is 2003 where, you know, it wasn't, you know, or, ni- or in the 90s or something where people weren't as sensitive about it. Like, the, you know, those sort of issues were still kind of like, a, uh, you know, yeah. underground niche issues and not, like, mainstream where they are today. Not addressed um, directly like they should be. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so it just... It didn't make sense. Uh, no. Just from a, a comedy standpoint, it just it didn't make sense. There was no purpose in it at all because the joke didn't land. No. And there was also a, a just a really awkward and like not really contributing much to the plot running bit about Ned being like obsessed with Paige to the point where like he's like keeps trying to break up her and her fiance, uh, Wayne, who is the the sheriff, uh, who is very much a Sheriff Dewey kind of character. He's got the mustache. He says, dad gummit. It's like, wow. Like you, you, when I say there's a, there's a lot of derivative moments, like that's like straight out of scream. Uh, I will say that uh, Sheriff Ned is one of the uh, only, if not, or few, if not only cops I would ever trust. Sheriff Wayne, you mean? Sheriff Wayne, I meant, yeah, yes. Because Ned's a dick. Yeah. Like, Ned's a dick. Ned's yeah. a bad friend. 
Like, and he's he's just pathetic. He's like he's obsessed with with wood carving, and I mean we we see one piece of work that he does. The rest get put through a wood chipper, uh, which again like. A lot more wood chippers in this film than you typically see in in your day to day life, um, but which like, is none, by the way. Yes, yeah, so I, I I don't think that I've ever seen one in person, which is good because I have like I've the film industry has instilled with me an extremely irrational fear that I'm just going to fall right into it. Yes, that's <laughs> the only the only real time I've ever seen a wood chipper is in a movie where someone gets put through a wood chipper. Exactly, so I completely agree with this. Exactly, feeling. like as far as I know, that's all they're for is for like feeding people into. Uh, yeah. And that's terrifying. Uh, but yeah, we see one work that he does. And like, and listen, I don't do chainsaw carving, so it's 100% better than anything I could do. Uh, it's another thing that is set up to be like a, a Chekhov's gun sort of moment uh, that is unfulfilled, but in a comic way uh, that I appreciated. Um so and we, as we we discuss the climax of the film, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, and then there's just like there's weird, awkward moments of like bull- people bullying Charlie for being for being different. Uh, but he's really he's just a, like he's an introverted kind of awkward person who like he like he processes things differently. He's almost like coded as neuro neurodivergent, and that's just, how I took it. Just yeah. gets bullied for it, and like okay, again, like. This is punching down people. Like that's not funny. Like I like get why you were doing that to reinforce that character, but like it isn't funny. It did, however, please me that he is the one that saves the day and yes. kills the, the master vampire. Yes. And it was another Chekhov's gun. Uh, you know, uh, at a very young age, you know, he was struggling with his feelings. He was getting bullied a lot at school. His old, his younger sister Paige was constantly beating people up, whoever, you know, would pick on him. Which was great. And, which was great, but she got very frustrated with it. She's like, I, she's like, I'm still going to do it every single day, but why do I have to do it? Why are people like this? And she has that conversation as a little kid. But so, you know, as a young kid, he had a struggle with controlling his feelings and her dad and his dad gave him a pencil and was like, hey, you know, if you ever struggle, like, here's this pencil, tell it your feelings and it will help you. And so he's kept a pencil, this pencil, multiple pencils throughout the years. And that is what he talks to. Um, And, you know, the very end of the movie, the Chekhov's gun, he uses the pencil to kill the vampire, um, which was very nice. I was like, good. I'm glad that this was him and not Jerry. I'm glad Jerry wasn't the hero of the day. In fact, Jerry doesn't do anything. No, Jerry uh, is And I'm very glad. Uh, He totally is. Jerry is completely worthless, and that was one of the best decisions this crew made in in making this film. Uh, Like... Charlie's hero moment is so great, though, because as you mentioned, like he thinks back through every single one of the Chekhov's gun moments in the beginning. Uh, you know, we see someone, uh, we, or, you know, we see a loose banister, we see the the um, the the short circuiting uh, uh, fuse box. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's a spice rack. I'm sorry, the spice rack. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know, we we see the the wood carving in the the bottom. We see the the moment with his father. We see all of these things. There's even like a a scene of like him being bullied and like one of the the bullies like doing the thing where they crouch behind him and someone like pushes him over the guy so he falls. Like he sees all of this and puts the pieces together that if he stabs the vampire with his pencil, uh, like his brother fell down in just the right position that he knocked the vampire over him through the broken railing. It, what should have been onto 
the wood carving uh, and he lands next to it and they're like, really? And I'm like, okay, that's clever. Well done. That was good. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, like this isn't going to work because it's just a pencil, but the pencil does end up killing the vampire. And so like you saved the day, Charlie. And that was funny. Yes, it was really good. I, I did really, really appreciate that. And I did uh, <laughs> like that he missed the giant point, uh, pointy wood sculpture. He'd be like, come on, man. That was great. Uh, one of my other fo- favorite moments was also another Charlie moment. He's being pursued by a vampire because, you know, uh, you know, we're half hour, over a half hour into this. and uh, A vampire shows up when they're trying to pretend that they're capturing a vampire. It's a whole setup thing that they, they think they can get away with. But an actual vampire shows up turns the entire town and they're all trapped in the house because of the various uh, vampire repelling paraphernalia around the house, crosses in the windows and doors and shit like that. The vampires are all stuck in the house. So they're fighting, they're killing him. One of them chases Charlie uh, and he runs through a door, closes the door. And as the vampire is kind of leaning through the window, the broken window that we saw earlier falls down and decapitates the, the vampire. And he just grabs a broom and sweeps it out of the house. And that's just a, just a beautiful, Beautiful little physical comedy moment. They're like Charlie honestly had some of the best scenes in this entire film. I, you know, he kind of uh, played off almost as like a as like a Harpo Marx character. You know, yeah. like he he has very few lines in the movie, um, but you know, he kind of plays off as that character as like a. Uh, he was just fun. I, I liked his character a lot. You know, actually, which is uh, which was good because they I would have expected them to make him be the the brunt of jokes, but he kind of wasn't. Yeah. Now, one thing that was a little bit lost on me, like, I, I, I see where they were going, but I'm not entirely sure that I think it, it paid off, and I'm, I'm curious your opinion, uh, was the, the lore of the vampire itself and how it ended up in their town and, like, how it got the, the power and, and whatnot. Uh, so I'm curious your, your thoughts on that. Now, so one of the things about this is that they uh, have the skull. So the the young Harker boy, uh, the one told in the beginning from 1917, um, he's supposed to, he was sent to burn all the body parts of the vampire that his dad died killing, which is considered the last vampire. Like you do. Like you do. To rip yeah. them apart, burn the pieces. We I, we all watched Twilight, right? Yep. If you haven't listened to our Twilight episode, we did that for the 10-year anniversary of Twilight. We actually uh, did dismember and burn a vampire in celebration. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so so the, Harper, the Harker boy keeps the skull of the vampire, and it now passes through the generations as kind of like a reminder to be vigilant and always ready to you know, fight vampires if needed. But of course, that sort of legacy falls to, you know, fairy tale and myth by the time it reaches modern day and the Harker kids. You know, for them, it's just like, ah, it's just some old thing that, you know, our great-great-grandfather had and it's just, you know, part of the lore, but it's not real because mm-hmm. vampires aren't real. So my my assumption, or at least what I thought was going to happen, is they were going to say, some vampire came out. I don't know how the other vampire came out because this is supposed to be the last vampire. But I was like, okay, so another vampire is created and he is drawn to the power. They're like, okay, so he's drawn to the power of the the um, of the skull because that would give him, you know, even more power and the ability to turn other vampires into vampires. I'm like, okay, so they're going to explain that. And they never do. No. And it, it is one of those ones where you're kind of like, if you ignore it, it's fine. But if you think about it for any like number of seconds, you're gonna be like, 
wait a minute. Which I clearly <laughs> have because yeah, we we cut to so uh, there is a whole like subplot where there's this uh, necrophiliac killer who's been like murdering people and then like sexually desecrating their corpses. Which again, like why? Why was that like not necessary? Uh, the killer like breaks into the Harker's home. There's a whole scuffle, and he ends up being killed by another one of the the setups earlier. There's a, a knife on a pull chain that's supposed to be part of the play, but the knife stabs the guy in the throat. He dies. Uh, for some reason, he got out the box with the skull in it, and he had pricked his thumb on it and got some blood on the skull, and the skull absorbed the blood and then sent out. Like the aroma of the power of the vampire. I don't know. The allure uh, and a vampire that just happened to be in Romania, uh, just hanging out, killing people for fun, finds out about it and then travels to the US really fast, like within hours. Um, yeah. Just in a vampire like a, magic. Yeah. A staggeringly unexplained bit of magic. Uh, he shows up. And of course, there's a whole, you know, confusion bit where they had hired, the Harkers had hired an actor to come and play the vampire that they could pretend to, uh, capture and appease the town. Uh, but instead the, va- the vampire kills that guy and shows up for real and they let him in. And that's how like all hell breaks loose. But like, it really it doesn't make any sense because, like you said, the one that got killed in the beginning was supposed to be the last one, and he had gotten his power from like consuming Dracula, but like there weren't any left. So, like, how did this one? And uh, it's 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 really confusing. And also, like, why why would they need to consume the remains of another vampire in order to be able to turn vampires? I've never heard anything like that in the lore before. Like that feels like entirely new. Um. It's just really, really weird. And like, I, I don't mind when when films create new lore for a known monster, but like, make it make sense. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's kind of where my complaint lies is that something that could have been just very simple of just like, vampires do exist, but you just, they're not in America or something, you know, like whatever. Just keep it, you know, especially since they don't spend a lot of time talking about you know the vampire but they do specifically point out that he was the last vampire Mm -hmm. so like they they messed up their own uh plot by making him be the last vampire they could have just said a powerful vampire you know who was with dracula you know consumed his skull and got the ability like it just could have gone better you know like it, it just could have made it more simple and the script would have not suffered from this problem yeah, and there's, they also muddied the waters further uh, in order to make one dumb, again, very derivative joke um, that, like, there's an author named Stacy Mendler who has written a series of books. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was some some play on Twilight. It's like consume or something like that. Yeah, and, and I forgot what it was called. It was like it was obviously a play on Twilight, both from the cover art and also from the description of the book being about like sexy romantic vampires who are like, you know, they sparkle and it's like really just about revealing the humanity and not the monster and all this stuff like that. Like, okay, we get it. This is Stephanie Meyer. This is Twilight. The character's name was Stacy Mendler and the you know the book series was whatever. Um all of that just so like she could be like, you're you're giving vampires a bad name. I'm going to show up at your place. Obviously, she gets attacked by the vampire. We have a like three second bit where she turns and she's like, am I sparkling? And then he rips her head off. I'm like, was, 
was the joke worth whatever that of like head removal effect cost you? Was it really worth it? I that don't think it was. entire setup, the payoff to that was like so weak. I was like, man, like, and I didn't like the way she delivered the line because she delivered it in like an, like an indignant way. Like, am I sparkling? Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, I'm a vampire. Am I sparkling? You know, like being like fangirl over me because obviously she is really obsessed with the idea of vampires being humanness and, you know. Also, isn't the sparkling supposed to happen in the sunshine? Isn't that how Stephanie Meyer explains them going out in the sun or not? And yeah, why, that why? is the reason they don't uh, go out in the sun is because they sparkle. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, Or like, at least in public in sun. Meanwhile, this is in like the middle of the night indoors. So like, do you know your own book, Stacy? <laughs> Clearly they only read the description of Twilight and went from there. I mean, uh, I can't fault them if they never actually read or watched Twilight and just wanted to make I fun. can I- do your research. <laughs> you made a whole movie and you, you had a 20 minute joke about Twilight. Watch the damn fucking movie just <laughs> once, just once, just so you do it right. Like, I, I would have just not done the joke personally, but you yeah, know, to but, you each. Know, but if you're going to do it, if you're going to spend time on a joke and a whole ass setup and a plot device Mm -hmm. just spend the two hours and watch the fucking movie yeah don't be lazy do your research yeah and that's so all of that coming right back to my original point of like i think that this group could have made a really fun schlocky horror vampire film i think that they really could have i don't think they did yeah i mean this is definitely you know as much as I hate to say it, this definitely felt like kids with a pop who accidentally got popular on YouTube were like, we can make a movie and made a movie, but don't have any experience in crafting true comedic moments for film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was I, I feel like, you know, I know this is obviously was a, you know, was a self-budgeted and, and kickstarted film. This wasn't, you know, a large purchase. They probably got a sales at the end of the thing, but they didn't have a production company come in. Yeah. And this really could have benefited for them paying money to a professional scriptwriter, maybe somebody who writes comedy to punch up their script a little bit. And that's uh, that would have been a great investment. If you told me that this film got picked up by a somewhat larger studio, they're like, we love the concept. We're going to give you a budget. We're going to make it. Uh, and they did actually, you know, go through a rewrite, punch it up, like remove some of the, the derivative shit, remove the jokes that just don't land or like don't make any sense or like, or like, borderline, if not extremely offensive, and just make a fun, like, romping good time, I would absolutely go watch this movie in the theater. Again, I would give them a second chance uh, in that case, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, compared to our other Dracula movies this month, it was the best of them, but that's I, really not saying much. That that is a fair statement on on both counts. Yeah, and, you know, and much like our film last week, uh, Comrade Dracula, this too suffers from the like you're almost there, mm-hmm. like you're so close to a good movie, like you're yeah. really really close to a good comedic movie. And you know, we can we can chalk up Comrade Dracula to maybe Lost in Translation or whatever, you know, sure. possibly. You know, maybe there's a lot of jokes in there that land if you're from that area, if you're from Hungary or, or any of the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Possibly, we will completely admit that that may be the case. Um, but when it comes to this movie, uh, you know, it's a film by Americans set in America. It, it really was just 
almost there, man. It was yeah. almost there. Like they were so close to a good movie. I think if 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 this if their next movie came across my desk, I would absolutely be like, look, you guys have a great premise. You've written a lot of good stuff. I'm sending it to someone who can punch up the jokes for you. I would send this to someone who can punch up the jokes just because they they need that extra bit of polish yeah. to make it seem like from somebody who's a professional comedian or a professional comic writer because yeah. uh, it, it it's apparent that this is very amateurish. Yeah, so that's kind of my, my final take on this film is that it was a really, really fun idea and uh, with a lot of work, and a little bit more budget could be a really enjoyable movie. Yes, absolutely. So all of that being said, should you watch this movie? I mean, if you're into campy vampire films, maybe, maybe, you know, if you're really wanting, if you are really into camp, this is, this is probably could be something that could be put low on a list, right? Like obviously there's better camp films that you should watch. Um, but this belongs, you know, it's definitely not in the top 50, uh, but it's on the list. It's on the list of, of like, fun camp films. And I feel like this is the kind of film that, like, if you were, unlike myself, and I can't speak for your experience, but, like, I was just alone in the middle of the, middle of the day on a Sunday watching this by myself on my couch. Eh, different experience than, like, let's say you get some friends over, you're hanging out, you know it's bad movie night, you get some snacks, and you watch it. There are some moments that you could laugh at together. And in that kind of case... Sure, go ahead and watch it. But like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I same. I spent my time watching this movie by sitting on my couch eating pizza, as I do uh, with all of our movies. That's that what I do really every Sunday. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, it was really good. It's stuffed crust pizza, too. Mm. Uh, and uh, and that's the same thing. You know, uh, there was a couple of jokes where I was like, eh, that's funny, where that would have been a laugh out loud moment had I been with a group of people who were yeah. all into the camp of this film. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it is a proven fact that people laugh harder uh, and have more emotions at a theater um, because... You're, you're in the community of all, you get the vibe and one person laughs and everybody laughs and it becomes a bigger thing than it actually is. I mean, um, there is a reason why I think that Zombie Strippers was the greatest movie of 2008. Uh, and it's because I consistently watched it with a group of friends that all appreciated it. <laughs> so... <laughs> and that's and that's that's exactly it, right? Like you you had a fun time watching the movie, but not because of the movie, yeah. because the experience with friends was a fun time. Yeah. Totally. Which is kind of like where Mystery Science Theater falls in, right? Yeah. Like they're sitting there joking about the movie, but it's funny because you feel like you're you're with them while they're doing it. Like you feel a part of those three well, one person and two robots. You feel like you're a part of it uh, while it's happening. And that's what makes the jokes even funnier is because yeah. you're laughing along with them. Yeah, that's what makes it work. Yeah. Uh, so there it is, everybody. That's our last Dracula film, Dracula-adjacent uh, film of the uh, of the month. Hopefully you enjoyed our five-year anniversary month and our Dracula films. Again, if you haven't, go back and listen to our first episode talking about Billy the Kid uh, versus Dracula, where you will learn the best way to uh, harm a, a vampire. The most effective way, and it really is staggering to me how few people have, have caught on and, and employed this method. I mean, it's caught on film. Like, yeah. the evidence is there. It's it's there. It's been there, people, since I went, that film was, like, 90 years old or something. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a black and white film, so it's is, it is incredibly old. 
Uh, yeah, but either way, you know, we've got a crazy month of April uh, coming up for you. Maybe, I don't know. We actually haven't scheduled any of our movies yet, so it could be crazy uh, or it could be boring. You'll find out. The best way to do so, got to subscribe. You got to so, do it. On your podcast player of choice, make sure to hit subscribe. Of course, as always, make sure to leave five stars and a review. Listen, write whatever you want. Like, I don't care. Leave us a recipe for some food you really like. Like, oh, we just need the, the reviews and ratings in there because that's how more people discover the podcast because, you know, podcasting. I would actually be really stoked if our reviews were just a bunch of recipes. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? It was just like, all, like, really great, like, family recipes. And then, like, we could, we could compile a never-heard-of-it cookbook. <laughs> oh, my God. We should do that. Guys, we should do that. Yes. All right. Five stars. Leave your favorite recipe in the comments. And then eventually, once we get enough of them, we will make a never-heard-of-it cookbook, and we will sell that book. <laughs> And we'll make sure to credit each and every one of you. Uh, and if it's, it's a special family recipe and you want to leave a special message for uh, the person who taught it to you, we'll, we'll include that as well. Heck yeah, we will, because we are family-oriented here yes. at the Never Heard of a Podcast. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and we will see you next time. Woo!